Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris, and uh, I hope you're having a beautiful day just like mine. I'm down on the beach. Uh, I know winter's coming for one good reason. The sand has now frozen my feet to the point of num numbness. Uh, I remember this from last year. Even during COVID, we weren't allowed on the beach, but the times we were, uh, I had to wear booties, little rubber booties. So uh, it's time to wear little rubber booties again on the sand. I can't go bare feet, not like this. This hurts. This really hurts. So I had a good topic today I want to talk to you about. So it may be in your awareness that I live with a, an international professional athlete who spends most of her life training her mind and body to perform at extreme levels of heart rate and skill in triathlon. It's quite extraordinary to see the amount of uh, focus it requires for her to do this. She also has to overcome uh, pushback, such as the current dilemma she has with being selected for the Olympics, uh, a rib that hurts, an ankle that's sore, and things of this nature that are her challenges to climb up and overcome her stepping stones. We say they're not stopping stones, they're stepping stones. But sometimes in our house, there's a competition. And the competition is not with just our aura rings to see who gets the best sleep, but a competition for privilege. So I thought I'd talk about this a little bit today because it's not often something you see. So I treat myself as an elite athlete. My sport is coaching, human development, human consciousness, human higher consciousness, and my sport really, the gold medal of my sport, is ultimately the performance of those people I coach. But I, in my world, am an elite athlete. And I treat myself as an elite athlete. So when I have, for example, a glass of wine, I think, how would an elite athlete cope with a glass of wine? And the answer is, well, as long as it's only half a glass, and as long as it's just before bed, maybe not too bad. But would it affect their bike riding? Would it affect their running or swimming at 6 a.m. the following morning? And the answer is probably yes, especially if it's every day. So I don't do it. The next question would be, if I overtrain, how am I going to go in the real event? So the real event to me, my events, are one hour coaching sessions done probably 90% now online with people who really expect the best. 
but there's no silver and bronze there's no coming forth in my olympics my olympic events are daily four or five times one hour events and in between those events it's it's my responsibility to recover and recuperate now, i think of an elite athlete and because i have one in my house i'm able to observe where this goes wrong but i'm also able to observe it in myself for example due to circumstances that i created yesterday i coached uh, probably a really good day but i didn't in between the coaching sessions due to circumstances that i created rebound and so one coaching session and i have them usually uh, half an hour apart so that i have half an hour for re rejuvenation and usually that's an hour because i have half an hour of my sessions are one hour with a half an hour float so i usually have an hour and in that hour i quite often go for a walk down the beach quick dip i get away from the desk i get out in the backyard and put the washing out or bring it in i go and do something that requires me to uh, uh, recover which means let go i don't read i don't study i don't do podcasts in that hour I may, in the half an hour of it, use the time actively, but half an hour at least is rejuvenation. And that's very important. Not because I can't do back-to-back -back coaching sessions, but at the end of the day of doing back-to-back -back and not rejuvenating throughout the day, my performance in my relationship is just not good enough. I turn up to the kitchen with a tired athlete and I'm a tired athlete two tired athletes in the kitchen never makes for a happy home not only is it doesn't make for a happy home it's unsustainable from the point of view of long-term uh, relationship because one of us if not both need to be in a good place at the end of the working day and if I'm so are incompetent and ignorant that I don't manage my day that brings me into the kitchen at the end of the day with more energy than I left with after breakfast then something's seriously wrong and I I think it's too easy to treat ourselves in a mundane way and say oh it doesn't matter what I do today it doesn't matter whether I'm committed to my work, doesn't matter whether I'm on purpose, doesn't matter whether I'm recuperating through the day, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. And spend all the time in front of a screen thinking in some weird way that we're being productive. <laughs> but as the day goes on in front of a computer screen, we become delusional. And it's virtually the same as meditation, where we sit on a cushion and think that by closing our eyes and breathing deep through our nose, something spectacular is happening through our physiology, psychology, 
business, relationship, health, when really we just wasted a good hour of our lives vegetating. Might as well watch Netflix. And there's a place in our lives for Netflix, but that's not it. So I treat myself as an elite athlete. And I say, what do I eat? Because my sport is as important a sport as my partner's sport. And this is the competition part. Because from time to time, I find myself subliminated or sub sublimated to my partner's tiredness or partner's injury or wounds or hurt or disappointment. And I find myself uh, compromised. That it's almost like if you're running, if your race is the 400 meter sprint and your best friend is in the 200 meters and they're nervous, it's almost like giving up the pre, uh, prep for your race. It's almost like giving up the prep for your race, your 400 meters, because you think the 200 meters is more important than the four. Sometimes I have to be withdraw and back, but not withdraw to punish anybody or hurt anybody, but come back to being an elite athlete and remember or remind myself what that involves. To me, that's early mornings on the beach. It's podcasts to get connection with the universe, walk a chi, Gratitude, knowing my vision, drinking water with coffee, one for one. It's all things that we all know, but forget, for some reason, thinking that we're not elite athletes, but slugging it out, sitting behind a desk for eight hours a day, staring at a computer screen, is in some way being productive, delusion ourselves. The question we have to ask ourselves over and over is, what's, what's the mission? I have one client whose mission is kindness. He's the, he's the, he's the future CEO of a firm, and he knows that if he doesn't, on a daily basis, rehearse and practice, deliver and be kind, that the CEO-ship that he's going to give is going to be aggressive and masculine and very unpleasant and therefore unsustainable. It would mean also that you'll come home tired because when you're not kind at work, you end up being uh, dark at work and that dark sucks energy and you come home exhausted. So I trick myself as an elite athlete and I, because I have one in the house, it's easy to do because I can recognize what it looks like. I see that my partner gets injuries. And I get injuries too. I get, for example, I get a clients who are emotionally going through an unexpected loss, uh, a trauma, uh, a, a sick child. I, I can, I can have, I, from time to time, I need to help them through their, through their journey. And for me, that's an injury because it's way, way requires way, way more uh, hard sprint in the 
in the 400 meter sprint that I do every day, it's way more than normal and I need to rebound from that hard race against the hard competitor, the hard competitor is in motion. I need to rebound from that race quickly because that was just a heat and there's another one coming and another one and another one. I love my event, my 400 meter sprint, my coaching sessions, my one hour coaching sessions, but I need to train for them and I need to be ready for them and I need to recuperate for them and I need to treat them as very, 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 very important gold medal events. It's not for me just one big fat Olympics in the middle of June in 2021. No way. For me, there's a non-going every single day Olympics. And that gives me the greatest joy in the world because it means I'm up there on the podium giving, giving, giving a thousand percent every time I do a, a session and every time I work with somebody, I'm working in that event. And nobody is, everybody is in a run for the 400 meters. So you can't say, oh, one event is easy and one event is hard and one event is soft and one event's not. No. Everybody expects the best, your personal best. And your personal best around the 400 meters for me right now would be about, in real world, six minutes. <laughs> but once upon a time, it was way under the, uh, the 60 seconds. I was in the early 50s. 52, I think, was my fastest 400 meters. And, you know, that's not super fast, but it, for me, it was pretty good. So it's not... Necessarily, I'm comparing myself to an Olympic athlete in a, in a physiological sense and saying that my life is a 400-metre thing. That's really physically hard and mentally hard. But my 400 metres has a whole lot of other components. Have I opened a heart in this one hour? Have I uh, been at my PB? Have I listened deeply and carefully and calmly and quietly and found out exactly what's behind, behind, behind? And so I can help that person who needs that insight, who needs me as a coach to help them peel open the curtain and look what's behind for an hour a week and then close the curtain again and get on with their 400 metres or 800 or 150 or marathon, whatever they define it. But I think the point here is I treat myself in my work as an elite athlete. And so the exercise I do riding a bike is not my is not my elite athlete. It is the way that I stay healthy and fit so that I can turn up for a one hour coaching session in which I open a heart, in which I help people see insight, create their destiny, get through emotion, deal with the hardships of other people, face challenges, overcome obstacles turn stopping stones into stepping stones. There's nothing in the world that's made to be stopped on. There's only stuff that's meant to be stepped on, including the, the challenges and the, the issues that are brought to us by other people. Nothing is there to be, to be stopped on. It's only stuff to be stepped on. And you step on something only when you see the balance in it. And sometimes... We're so emotionally uh, caught up in the push and pull of a situation. You need a third person to say, oh, hang on, 
here's the balance of this. And you go, oh, yeah, okay. I stepped on that now. Thank you. Good. Now, what's for the next obstacle that I can step on? And this is really important. When you make a stance, you cause another person to have an oppie stance. When you make a stance, you cause another person to have an oppie stance. And that causes resistance. And so I'd strongly say that your competition includes the ability to step on things that uh, feel like they want you to stop on. Uh, disappointments and frustrations and challenges that feel like they want you to stop because you make a stance against them. You say, someone was brutal to me, I'm going to make a stand against brutality. No, step on brutality. Accept that your responsibility for the causation and your participation in it. Once you do that, you're not making a stand anymore. You're not saying, I was right and you were wrong. You're saying, we've both got a participation in this. You step on the challenge. They become People become stepping stones. But this is Olympic thinking. This is elite athlete thinking. My partner's sore rib or my partner's sore ankle is not saying to her, stop doing triathlon. It's saying these are obstacles that need to be stepped on because in an elite performance for her, a weak ankle is a vulnerability that will pay its, will, will pay its toll. And she won't be able to deliver and give and serve. So she has to deal with this now. It's a stepping stone towards the future. When I get uh, a challenge uh, where uh, uh, somebody has completely gone into emotional trauma, uh, that's not a stopping stone. That's a stepping stone for them. It's also... A a test to see if I've, I'm staying in my Olympic zone as an athlete or whether I've done too many coaching sessions back-to-back -back or dropped the ball in terms of my exercise program or had a glass of wine last night and therefore feel tired at 3 o'clock in the afternoon ready for another glass of wine. But these are the silly things that start to take over because sometimes we treat ourselves as an amateur. But somebody's paying us. When somebody pays you, they're basically putting you in the race. They're saying, perform. And they're not saying, perform mediocre. They're saying, perform at the highest possible level. And that's what they're paying you for. They're not paying you for mediocrity, for you to go and sit at the pub or have a, a pub lunch or wallow your time away on a computer looking at uh, marketing plans and things you're not good at. That's the thing we organise supervised deputies to keep us in the elite game. Treat yourself as an elite athlete. Your sport is your work. You being paid the gold medal is not your money. That's ridiculous. The gold medal is whether you deliver what you promise. If you promise to deliver a schedule, if you promise to deliver a consulting report, if you promise to deliver uh, uh, results for a firm, and you're not on that every single time you work on that, which is, you know, a few hours a day. If you're just mediocre, averaging, then you've joined the world of lower consciousness. 
And the world of lower consciousness is described as quiet lives of desperation. People who spend their lives worrying that the future is going to be the way they want it to be. And the reason for that is that's mass consciousness. Mass consciousness is duality, is the, du is the duplicity of life, where we want one thing and do another. Where we make a stand instead of uh, uh, recognizing that that just causes an open stand. We stand for, don't chop down the forest in the Amazon. We stand for something, which is really stupid, because that makes us, a, it becomes a stopping stone. We say, I, I'm going to fight for the Amazon, but I realize that the plankton in the planet is growing faster than the Amazon ever will, and we can't stand to have all the oxygenation of the earth in one little forest way over in the middle of the Amazon in South America or wherever we want to go. We say well, it's got to be across the planet. What, well, what is across the planet? Well, water. So why wouldn't you put all the oxygenation of the planet in the water with plankton? That's such an evolutionary awareness. So instead of going, oh, the world's going to collapse if we don't you know, stop the Amazon, you go, no, the Amazon looks pretty and I like pretty things, therefore I'm going to fight for the preservation of the Amazon because it's pretty. But not rationalize it, make a stand based on some delusional scientific thing that's an opinion, not a fact. We have to be careful. We don't get into opinionated stopping on positions and make sure everything that we make a stand on I'm right you're wrong this is right that's wrong I've got it you've got it wrong this is the right thing to do that's the wrong thing to do every time we make a stand we create a stopping stone step on it stepping stones that's how an elite athlete must perform every day every single day of their lives what they eat how they shit what they say what they think how they treat themselves, what they do in their training, affects their relationship. But if they want a good relationship, there's no use working on the relationship and then acting like a nincompoop in their training because they'll just beat themselves up, come home exhausted. What's left? Nothing. That's trajectory. So all of life is about trajectory. What will this behavior, what will this behavior cause in the future? Will I win a gold medal tomorrow from this behavior today? Will I win a gold medal uh, in uh, serving my clients tomorrow, the next day, the next day from this behavior? You need to be elite, top of the, top of the pack. The 400 meters, there is no silver, there is no bronze. There is no silver, there is no bronze. You need to be yet your PB every day, Saturday and Sunday included. And the more technology grows and the more kids looking at us, the more the young ones, that the more they know that there is no switching off the iPad. There is no sort of down, up, down, up, this whole clumsy way of living life, which is work five days and bomb out for two on the weekend and apologize for having worked. That's just a stupid way. That's stopping stones and, and bricks on your head. The wrecking ball. That's the wrecking ball lifestyle. Work your ass off and then apologize all weekend, trying to do nothing and lower your self-worth all weekend. And pretend you're an athlete who 
who's in a, a zone of tapering for an event, they, that's, that will go away. Athletes will learn not to taper. If you read anything about tapering in sport, you will, you will come to realize that all the flu and all the injuries and all the emotions and all the depressions come for an athlete when they taper. Why? Because they're training too hard. Unsustainable. They have an idea that you've trained for six weeks, you peak, you do something, and then you, and for the week before the six-week event, the event, you taper off. People catch the flu in that week. Their immune system goes nuts and releases all the things they've been fighting against. Well, that's just a stupid idea. The weekend, two days, tapering. Then you get to Monday and you just can't lift your head off the pillow. Why? Because your self-worth and your self-respect and your performance has gone to shit. And all your immune systems let all the junk that's been carried through the week that hasn't been dealt with, all the stopping stones come tumbling down. This is not a way to live. This is not how elite people, higher consciousness people live their lives. Every day is a holy day. Every day is a holiday. Every day is an opportunity for performance. Your clients aren't going, your clients, aren't going, oh yeah, look, I can cope with two days of bullshit from you and then get one day of good performance. They're not saying that. They're saying, be on. When I, when I ring you and when I meet you, I want you 100% on. That means everything else around that meeting, everything else around that delivery of service has to be subordinate, subordinate to it. That's really important. Treat yourself as an elite athlete. Make your stopping stones, stepping stones. Win a gold medal every meeting. And practice between performances, recuperating and making sure you rejuvenate yourself so you're back on for the next one. Give yourself 15, 20, 30 minutes in between each meeting, each situation online so that you get outside and smell the fresh air and smell the roses and jump up and down. Once upon a time, this was easy because you'd have a cigarette Back in the 50s and 60s, everybody smoked. What they did is they just went out and had a smoker. And because the nicotine and what have you, it chilled them down, calmed them down, got their nerves off, and they backed off for a little while. And they had a recuperative period. Of course, it killed them in the end. That's not a good way to recuperate. We know that. Last but not least in all this, the ultimate realization is gratitude is the benchmark. If you're thankful, you're in a good place. If you're not thankful, you're in a bad place. And if you're not thankful for being not thankful, you're in a bad place. So when you're unthankful, be careful not to be unthankful for being unthankful. Well, that, because that's a catch-22, isn't it? You meet an unthankful person and you're not thankful for that person being unthankful. Therefore, you become unthankful for unthankful. Unthankfulness serves. I'm standing here on Bondo Beach, in the middle of the beach, winding up a podcast. There are about 100 people in the entire beach. On the entire beach, there's 100 people. I'm standing in the middle of the sand, between the, the cement the, the uh, boardwalk, cement boardwalk, and the beach, 
is around 70 metres at the present time, maybe 80 metres. There's not a soul within a cooey of me. I'm facing away from the sun, so I don't get sunburnt nose, because you all know my big red nose when I get sunburnt. So I'm standing here delivering a podcast, and a person just ran past me on the sand and bumped my elbow because I was in their way. And I look at them and I think, well, that's their world. Did it really hurt? No. Did it really affect my podcast? No. What it did, it gave me another piece of information to share with you all. That at a level of consciousness, there's a violence and there's a, a, a competitiveness. There's a, an appetite to occupy space that we don't have to play in. We can actually go on our podcast and say, haha, there it is. The unconscious masses running along, bumping people, thinking somehow that they're right and I'm wrong and just making sure I know it. But I just look up and I go, well, I must be right and wrong for standing here and they must be right and wrong for running there. And the world just goes on. A stopping stone becomes a stepping stone. And I get food for a beautiful podcast on the topic I was talking about. This is Chris. Remember, you're an elite athlete. Bye for now.